Broadcasting live from Baltimore, Maryland, the Breath of Life Ministries presents Experience the Power. When God gets ready, He can deliver you if you call on Him, if you trust in Him. Let's go live to the Miracle Temple Worship Center, where our service is in progress. We've got a subject that I think you will find interesting. Interesting. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Somebody already asked, what is this to the glory of God? Well, let me, let me warn you a little bit. This sermon used to be traumatic until science caught up with the Bible. <laughs> Did you hear the way I said that? You see, some people think that the cutting edge of science is way ahead of the Word of God. You'd be surprised to know that God, who invented all of this, who holds the world in the palm of His hand, knows far more than most people imagine in fact, they think that scientists are ahead of God. Let me assure you that God gives the information to the scientists. So, uh, scientists finally caught up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want to read in your hearing verses 19 and 20. And here's what the Bible says. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are so grateful for what the Bible tells us that tonight we open it with expectation. And as we've read these amazing words that we are bought with a price, we ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit might continue to be with us, to guide us into all truth. Help us to recognize truth, to embrace truth, and we shall give glory and honor to the name of Jesus. It is in His name that we pray. Amen. So tonight, we start with what I think is one of those experience the power moments. The Bible says that we are bought with a price. Let's break that down. Whether you have embraced Jesus or not, and you know we began when we started this whole experience the power meeting series 
We started by saying that we don't exclude people who don't think they're religious. Because God doesn't exclude people who don't think they're religious. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to look holy for Jesus to love you. Before you were born, he already loved you. In fact, when we were born in rebellion, his love did not cease. It is an unconditional love. And he says, you are bought with a price. Now, that's, that's interesting because to some it might seem odd language, but here is the case. Jesus can claim me tonight first because he made me. Oh, well, you say, I understand the Adam and Eve thing, preacher. But how did he make you? Well, he made me because without the spark of life that only Jesus can give, I would never have been born alive. I, I read some amazing literature a few months ago. It says that the, uh, the scientists have almost been able to put together every element of the human body. They, they have constructed practically everything that makes me, me. But this article said there's one little impediment. That is why they've got something that looks just like me. In fact, they could probably imitate the human body all the way down to the end. There's something that they don't have the power to do. And that's what Jesus did after he had formed Adam from the dust of the earth. Remember the Bible says he breathed into his nostrils. And you know I love to say this because it's, it's the name of the television show. The breath of life. I, you know, I've, I've read those beautiful poems that, that, that are so wonderful, but I can see it. I can see Jesus with dust forming a skeletal system, putting nerves around the bones artfully. And then he begins maybe with the, with the muscles and forms them in the right place, the right size and the right strength. And then he, he puts skin, the integumentary system. I read the article covers it with skin but see there must have been some special places can you imagine what it was to see him form a little ball and press it into that socket that made an eye can you imagine what it was for him to form a tongue and put it right in there to 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 the extent that when he breathed into adam's nostrils Adam awakened able to speak huh? if, if that's not a moment for you I don't know what is because I believe that Jesus pulled that wonderful reflection of himself pulled it up faced it and then can you imagine that moment And he turns it loose. And instead of falling back down like something I would have made, this thing is animated by the power of the spark that only Jesus can give. 
So I don't care how far away from creation we are, you must understand that when a mother bears a child, whether she's at home or in a hospital, they've got all of those wonderful machines around, but there is no machine that can make that baby live. It is still the spark of life that Jesus gives. So he made us. But when, when the devil saw how fantastic the creation was, and when he was cast out of heaven down to the earth he began to look at Adam and Eve and wonder how he could conquer them so he beguiled them and when Eve wandered away from her husband I don't have time to stop there but every wife ought to make note of that you might want to stay close to the man because when you separate from each other psychologically or physiologically there there comes a strain in the process Eve goes away encounters a serpent who can talk it is the devil talking through the serpent when she comes back to Adam he looks at her and knows that something's wrong every man in the audience knows what we should have done hmm Adam should have gone back to God. Eve, wait, stay right there. Lord, something happened to her. She's not looking the same. And I don't know what it is, but I, I, you know, I got a few more ribs if you got the time. But listen. When God put them together, he did a marvelous thing. You remember that when Adam saw Eve, he said it three times. This, 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 this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And even when she came back looking funny, he still loved her. She said, take a bite of this fruit. And he bit it. And we thought that mankind was lost. But the text says that he bought us. Jesus promised one day in the fullness of time one day I will go to Calvary's cross and I will shed my blood so that this couple can live so instead of dropping dead like the Bible says the wages of sin is death Jesus promised his own blood so man did not die instantly but man continued to live on the promise of Jesus Christ. I'll buy you with a price. The price is higher than anybody could pay except that God became man and shed his blood. So tonight we can declare there is power in the blood of Jesus. I, I, I used to ask my parents, you know, I wasn't old, but I was trying to think that thing through. I said, you know, did the Bible say the wages of sin is death? Yes. Well, didn't they sin? Yes. So I asked him, why didn't they drop dead? God doesn't lie. So why didn't Eve drop dead and Adam drop dead? And the answer is we are living on a borrowed life. We are living on the power 
that was first promised that kept us alive. Before the cross, we lived on the promise of Jesus. After the cross, we live on the power of Jesus' blood. But his word was powerful enough that even before he died, his word kept us alive. So tonight, your body is not your own. God owns it twice. He made you. Then when you were lost, he paid to get you back. So whoever you may think you are, you are bought with a price. Well, uh, let's move from the happy times for some, but let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because, and look, incidentally, you've got to get that first part. That is the decoder for the rest of the sermon. If you forget that, you'll be lost. The decoder for the sermon is, you are not your own. You are Jesus' property twice. Made you, bought you, redeemed you. So, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's look at verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 21. And here's what, 31, forgive me. Here's what the Bible says. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now without the first text, the second one for some people would not make sense. Because people want to ask, we are in a generation of doubters. People want to know, what is this thing about God's sovereignty? I don't question it. I'm grateful that I've read enough scriptures to know that Jesus is sovereign. So I don't question his requests or his commands. Because he made me and he redeemed me. So two times I am his. This text says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Now, whatever you do covers a lot. Mm? Covers a lot. But whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do everything to the glory of God because I am not my own. So we've got the decoder. Everybody remembers it. If you forget, somebody will nudge you, I hope, and remind you. Now, if that be so, I believe that Jesus has the right to say what you ought to put into your body. Because as that little trite phrase goes, you are what you eat. And uh, don't get nervous. This is not going to be a diet sermon. Not diet as in how much you eat. I got a little thing I'll share with you in a minute about that. Uh, we come in different sizes. Huh? If you could wish yourself a size, most of us would wish ourselves slim and trim. But there are some of us who didn't come in that package and we struggled for the rest of our days to be svelte. But that's not what this is about. Because the fact is that your eating habits, in that sense diet, those things are of interest to God. Let's start with basics. You ought to care for your body 
because it doesn't belong to you. You ought not treat it like you think it ought to be treated because it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now I know it's hard to believe that some of our bodies measure up because they don't necessarily look like temples. I'm waiting for you. But if the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, you cannot treat your body in a nonchalant fashion. You can't be like young people generally are. Most young people think that life and health are resources that will never be exhausted. When I was young, I thought that strength was a given. I strutted and fretted and thought that I had the power to live forever. I remember a preacher came to the high school where I was and preached every night about people dying. He tried to frighten us into Jesus. What he did not recognize is that young people, particularly then, before the horrors of drugs, we thought nothing could kill us. We live with reckless abandon because it seemed like you could do anything you thought to do. You could jump as high as you imagined. You could run as fast as you chose to. It is only when you get to the end of your 30s Can we talk? Uh, I have a friend who says, and this gentleman is authorized to give an opinion, he's a physician, he says when you reach 40, an amazing thing happens. You and your body have to reconcile what your life has been up until then. So all of your bad habits are brought to your attention, says he. This is not from the Bible. This is from a physician who, rather with a twinkle in his eye, says that young people don't understand that this thing can run out. Yes, sir. I wish I could convince them it will never happen. They are just like I was. They don't believe it. When old people talk, they say, oh, he's just old. Don't, don't pay attention to him. He's an old man. But the old try to tell the young, preserve your strength. Don't do silly things. Because one day you'll reach back for the resource. And it won't be there. So live in the prime of your youth. Glorify God in what you do. Because there'll come a day when there won't be as much left as you thought. Are we together? So here's some things you ought to do. And this is, this is not from the Bible. These things are from physicians. You ought to give yourself fresh air, sunlight. I, I, I was just reading this afternoon trying to kind of bone up quickly on a couple of things that I thought might be interesting in sunlight for half an hour or 45 minutes the Sun does amazing things to your body now you can't stay out there forever particularly during the hottest times of the day there are dangers in being exposed to the Sun without protection but the Sun should not be hidden from even though my tan is absolutely perfect I need to get into the sun. So you ought to have sunlight. You ought to have rest. Let me pause there for a minute. Because now we live in a generation where 
nobody has time to rest you've got more than 200 television channels and some of us can never stop searching gentlemen you and I are the most horrible people when it comes to the remote your wife can barely get her hands on it your family tries to get it but you've got it hidden somewhere and you're always clicking trying to find something else and you find yourself up in the middle of the night still clicking through channels and what I've got to tell you based on so much information is this there's, there's nothing there sometimes the insides of your eyelids are better to watch than what's on television there are people who think that eight hours sleep is a joke it is not I read one scientist a psychologist who says unless you sleep four and a half hours uninterrupted your brain can't figure out which way is up so you wake up with unresolved issues huh? and some people are wondering why does life seem so strange go to sleep Your brain is a marvelous, marvelous mechanism. It's, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you just let it sleep, it can do marvelous things. It figures out what you did wrong before and what you ought to do tomorrow. But you can't just keep it up and up and up. Finally, it will put you into the netherworld. You will not know what to do. You got to rest then you've also got to have exercise oh ho, ho. and you know this is really not enough you heard the you heard the doctor say last night you, you've got two doctors left leg right leg you've got to use it you've got to keep your body in motion you've got to get air and pure water and let me tell you, I, I have had the, the experience of being away from water. For those who have never had the challenge, you think that anything will quench your thirst. But if you ever get really thirsty, I was in a foreign country, I hadn't had all the shots. They told me you can only drink bottled water on this trip. So I had enough to carry me for a few days. And I went and bought a little more where I traveled. But there came a day when I was away from the car and I couldn't drink any water except bottled water. I couldn't buy any, couldn't find any. And when I got back to the car, the sun had been shining on my bottle. Are you there with me? So I reached for my bottle. Now I got to take it and I'm so thirsty that the temperature doesn't matter. If I can just get it to the point where I can put it to my lips, it can be hot because I didn't want any juice. I didn't want anything sweet. My body craved water. Physicians say that your brain can't function properly without enough water. Do you know anybody who needs water? your heart can't function properly when I heard that I got a supply I went and got one of those filters and 
put it on my faucet. I got water, water everywhere now because I'm at the point where I am a little concerned that the heart keeps on beating in rhythm. And if what my heart needs is water, it shall have water. <laughs> That's what it takes. Those are basics. But then uh, you need to eat the freshest quality fruits, nuts and grains. This is from the physicians now. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I'm just quoting what they say. You ought to eat some raw food every day. You ought to stay away from refined foods as much as possible. You ought to eat five or more servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Very few fast food establishments. Very few serve fruits and vegetables. But you ought to eat five or more servings. You ought to eat green and yellow vegetables along with citrus. And try to avoid animal fats because it's not good for the body. But let me tell you something. The Bible gets a little more involved than that. In fact, let me promise you that for a long time, God has been interested in what we eat. Can I go back a little bit? Is Genesis far back enough? Let me show you how Jesus began with our diet. Genesis chapter 1, that is the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. And let's look at a chronology of what happened. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat don't let the word meat discomfort you it does not mean it becomes meat that's what you eat eat fruits nuts and whole grains can you imagine that God gave that diet to Adam and Eve they had just come fresh from his hand Adam was tall and sturdy. He had bounce in his step. Can you imagine how handsome he was? I don't want to disturb the ladies too much, but just think a minute about what Adam must have looked like. And God said, in order to keep Adam like that, I want you to eat fruits, nuts, and grains. Eve was amazing. Adam tells us that. A beautiful creature. And God says, I will keep her looking like that. I will give her a diet that will make her live at an optimum level. And he gave them fruits, nuts, and whole grains. There are people who have had so many processed foods that they can't imagine that there is joy in eating that diet. But the one who made Adam and Eve gave Adam and Eve that diet. I have learned something. There are some fruits that are so sweet. I'm happy to have traveled in some places. I, I was in uh, West Africa and uh, I took some food over there because I was on a special diet one of those times and and I ran out of it and I, I was very careful. I said look I want to be very careful about what I eat and the, the, the dear lady where I was living said, my husband, when he wants to be careful, eats pineapple. You know, pineapples 
where I live are not all that spectacular. But in Ghana, he brought me a pineapple. And she cut that thing. And I said, what kind of pineapple? She said, oh, it's just a pineapple. We eat them every day. And I tasted it. It was sweeter than anything I'd ever tasted before. And, and for days until I left, that was the main staple of my diet. And it was so sweet and juicy until I wish now, at this very moment. <laughs> but the tastes of fruits. I've been in the Caribbean where they have fruits everywhere. You can pick them up off the ground. If you ever need to be homeless, be homeless in the Caribbean because you can eat. And I ate all kinds of things and the fruits have different flavors and different tastes. And I confess to you that there is a mango named Julie. But what I discovered was that the, that the fruits have all the flavors. And then uh, when, I was, when I was a child, we used to eat bread. Um, it was the best that we could afford. Uh, it, was, uh, it was very light in color. There was a consistency that was regrettable. You could actually take a slice of this bread, ball it up in your hand, put it down, and it would stay just like that. My, my family moved up just slightly on the socioeconomic scale and we started eating some different bread. When my dad first brought it home, my brother and I were angry. It was dark and thick and heavy. When you picked it up, it almost strained you to pick it. And Dad says, this is what we're going to be eating from now on. And we resisted. In fact, we went on a hunger fast for at least an hour. <laughs> then I finally started tasting what real grain was like. And I, I confess to you, I've come to the point now where I can't eat that thing anymore that you can ball up in your hand. Because the taste of real bread. And then if you were to go to my house tonight, you would find nuts of every description. Because there is a richness there. I understand Adam and Eve. They had a wonderful diet. And I'm going to imagine they had some things that we don't have anymore. Can you imagine, Eve, how you do? Look, what are we going to eat today? And they were eating all those trees that God had given to them. Remember, there was only one that he said you can't eat of. There were hundreds of them, so I understand. Now, there came a moment when sin tainted Adam and Eve. Uh, Genesis, go to Genesis chapter 3, and look at verse 18. After sin into the picture, there was something that changed. And here's what, here's what God allowed. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the, the herb of the field. 
I've got to say this gently because there's a little cultural highlight that I'm going to have to share with you. But herbs are simply vegetables. There are certain vegetables that are popular in certain places. I apologize to all of my friends who are in other countries who have never encountered something called collard greens. Perhaps if we meet one day, my wife will make some for you. It is an herb with a sublime taste. In fact, I have said to people, <laughs> I've said to people, assuming that I make it to heaven, I want to make a special request. I know that sin will have been conquered and we will no longer need herbs. We can go to the tree of life and take a leaf for the healing of the nation. I said, but do you think the Lord would smile on me and cause one leaf to taste like a collard green? Herbs became medication. Now, now let me show you how, how involved God is in our nutrition. When we were without sin, fruits, nuts, whole grains. After sin, God knew that we needed medication, so he gave us herbs to eat. And herbs were added to the diet to give us health after sin. Now go to Genesis chapter 7, and I will show you that it changed even more after the flood. Genesis, pardon me, yes, Genesis chapter 7. And uh, you remember that for a time, the earth was covered with water. So you'd be surprised how God looks at our needs and reaches out to take care of us. Let, let me start with verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. I am so excited about this. You know, you know what this tells me? Even if I live in a wicked generation, if I am faithful to God, God will be faithful to me. You, you know the story. I won't even dramatize it. It's, it's, it's something that we all know. When Noah started building that boat that God instructed him to build, people thought he had gone out of his mind. There had never been rain. The earth was, was given moisture by the dew. So when he said it's going to rain, they said he's out of his mind. But he built anyway, and they teased, and they shouted at him. But God finally told them, look, start making preparations. And here they are. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and his female. Of the fowls also of the air, by sevens, the male and the female. To keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Let's look at God's love. When man was fresh from his hand, he gave the perfect diet. 
it's still perfect. It's still perfect. When sin entered their lives, he allowed them to have herbs because they needed the healing properties of herbs. When the earth was covered with water, and when he saved one family that was faithful, and I tell you tonight that if your family had been the only family that trusted and believed in God, he would have told you how to make some craft to save you because Jesus honors those who honor him. So he knows that when they leave this boat, there will be no vegetation. So he says, here's what I want you to do. Most people, if I were to ask you, how did the animals come to the ark? You would have said two by two, because that's what you learned. They gave you little songs, and your enemies came two by two. <laughs> Not disturbed at you. But the fact is, the unclean ones came two by two. He said, bring the clean ones by sevens, because that's what you're going to have to eat for a while. Are you still there? So he gave them enough clean animals to help them survive. He said, don't bring these two by two because you've got to eat some pretty soon. I'm not sure whether the animals were aware of the plan, but here's what God says, and you've got to stick with me. God in Genesis, when creation was still fresh in memory, said there are some animals that are clean and there are some that are unclean. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> this used to be so horrible, but now it's kind of fun. When you see that some animals were created to be scavengers, um, I was once an aquarist. That's a cute word for somebody who has a fish tank. I, I went and chose my fish and finally the gentleman who was adding things pretty regularly said you gotta get some catfish. I said but I don't, I don't like them, I don't like the way they look. He said well if you want to keep that tank clean you gotta get some catfish. I said no, I don't want any, I don't like them. He said, but catfish will clean the tank for you. Now, I'm not going to get indelicate with you. I used to preach this sermon in a far different way. But the fact is that God created some fish, some birds, and some animals to clean the earth. All right? I don't know about you, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if God made an animal and said, this one is unclean, want that one. Don't want that. If anybody knows whether he's clean or unclean, is God the one? So here is what happens. And I'm going to tell you this and hope you go home and do research. If you go to read in Leviticus 11, if you read in Deuteronomy 14, you will find a listing of animals, fish, and birds that are unclean. And I'm going to save you a little time by telling you that here, they are, here are some of them. 
swine's flesh. Pork, ham, bacon. Ah, I could go down a long list. I got one. But the, the flesh of the pig is unclean. Among the, those things that move in the sea, seafood, shellfish are unclean. Crab, I'm in Maryland. I'm in Maryland, but I got to preach the truth. Crab, lobster, shrimp, crayfish, catfish, eel, shark, turtle, unclean. Huh? Unclean. God made them to scavenge and clean the earth. And the fact is that even if you find which ones are clean, and let me, let me say this gently, but you need to hear it. There are some of the fowls that were in the clean category and in certain, ca certain communities that are near and dear to my heart people need to know that the, the chicken is among them uh, you're just being quiet because you knew where I was going and that lamb and beef are among those but let me tell you what I've come to know first of all that if you're going to eat even clean animals Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 14 says you must not eat the blood because in the blood is the life of the creature and you must not let that come into your your body because it carries the life then you must understand that there are other things that are de deleterious to your your body not just what you eat and I've cleaned up a few but if you study in those chapters you will see that some animals should never be eaten. There are some beverages that should never go into the human body. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And let's look at verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. In fact, if you go to Proverbs chapter 23, you'll find a little bit more. I used to do it in a harsh fashion, but almost everybody knows this already. This is Proverbs chapter 23. Go to verse 29. It says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Oh, I could describe that. Who hath wounds? without cause who hath redness of eyes they that tarry long at the wine they that go to seek mixed wine the fact is that alcoholic beverages are not good for the human body and God said so in the word now there is some new information that I'm sure everybody has heard by now they say if you take a little wine just moderate this moderate wine it can be good for your heart and I know people who have rejoiced to hear this news well let me let me read you something not from the Bible but from the scientists 
This is from Ronald Watson, PhD, professor in, at the College of Public Health and School of Medicine at University of Arizona in Tucson. He was the former head of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism for six years. He says, I and the NIH conclude that increasing alcohol use will benefit a few by lowering heart disease a little while increasing the chances of damage to many by addiction. Dr. Ronnie A. Bell, PhD, MS at Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina says this and it's a little more conclusive. Alcohol is by no means a safe drug nor something that can in any way be recommended for health promotion suggesting that alcohol is somehow beneficial is so outweighed by its toxicity as to be criminal what they've discovered is that the benefits that you can get from a little wine you can get from a little grape juice and there is no worry about being addicted friend of mine let's be real there are things that we know for sure harm the human body alcoholic beverages illegal and non-prescription drugs even caffeine I saw the other night uh, an athlete who, who said you must never take in caffeine he was so adamant about it I went back and looked at my research to make sure I understood he said it makes your heart beat faster he said it affects negatively your blood pressure he said I could never function as an athlete putting caffeine in my body but you find it in tea coffee cola and other soft drinks and there are some people who can't make it for one day but what you're doing is taking from your own health and here is all I've got to tell you tonight don't let me try and be a physician I'm not one everyone in this in the sound of my voice knows that smoking is dangerous to your health even being in the place where others are smoking side stream smoke is dangerous to your health so if you know that tobacco alcohol and even certain kinds of food even animals and let me tell you we have come to the time now where the system for keeping the supply of meat clean is flawed I don't want to traumatize you with stories about mad cow I don't want to remind you about what you saw about the processing of chicken clean meats but handled in a fashion that is dangerous to your health we have come to the point where you have to have your hamburger cooked at a certain temperature for a certain length of time or a hamburger could make you sick if we are there let me get real with you for just a minute my body doesn't belong to me the apostle Paul says let's let's come to the facts Jesus made you and I'm fearfully 
and wonderfully made. It's amazing what the human body can do. You yourself can't imagine some of the things that your body can do. Your body can take foods. It can take not even enough water. It can take not even enough nourishment. It can process it in a certain way that builds up your immune system and your body fights off disease with no doctor. God has made us so wonderfully. There's a physician friend of mine who may be in this audience tonight who tells me all the time he can cure diseases simply by changing the diet. There are certain kinds of cancer that he has cured simply by changing the diet. Going to the diet that God said you ought to use. On the contrary, if you play havoc with what you eat. And let me tell you, it's gotten... It's gotten dangerous now. I was in a community in Atlanta and there was a friend of mine who was working for the major newspaper in Atlanta and he said, Pastor, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make you look like a prophet. I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, yes. He said, what I'll do when I get something off the wire that's not even out yet, I'll bring it to you as soon as I can confirm it. He said, mention it before your congregation and they will go around saying, our pastor is a prophet. I said, I like that. One day he came to me and he said, look, this isn't funny. He showed me an article where research had been done to discover that the water in the earth in some places has become so polluted that even melons were carrying salmonella. I said, well, what can we do about this? He said, Pastor, there's nothing we can do. You've got to be more careful than ever about what you eat. You've got to be careful to get the best foods. And you know, it's sad, but the best food always costs most. The stuff that'll kill you, you can get for a song. They'll have a sale in the morning on it. But the bread and the nuts and the fruits, you got to pay. It seems almost unfair. However, God has done this amazing thing. He has arranged it so that some of the best foods available you can get without gigantic expenditures. But we have got to get real. Let's end with this thought. If my body belongs to God, I can't play havoc with it. I've got to put in it only the best, and I've got to make sure of that because my body is not my own. Until Tuesday night, may God hear you when you call. May God lift you if you fall. May God bless you as you stand, and may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless you. Walter Pearson believes that Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem you face.